Hello and welcome to episode 11, 18, 19 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Friday, December 9th, and I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning, bright and early. Very early, um, especially for you. You're two hours mm-hmm. behind, so it's you know 6.15 in the morning, but uh, 8.15 over here. I stuttered on the number, but I got it right. 11, 19 yeah. is the right number. Got the date right. I'm all over it, but I was not all over it. I sent you the rundown on Wednesday night saying, Hey man, it's all ready to go for tomorrow. <laughs> I was a day ahead. I was, I'm so eager to discuss this. We're doing obviously yeah. another transactions episode because there's been so much that I'm like sending you the rundown the night before. Like, Hey man, I'll talk to you tomorrow. You're like, what? <laughs> I didn't even get a chance. You, you corrected yourself. Yeah, before that's you even true. Got a that's chance true. To respond. I figured it out, but I'm like, uh, you were probably looking at it. Like what's, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah, I mean, it's just been such an active free agency that, you know, it feels like every time we don't talk for an hour, two or three moves happen. And so, yeah, I mean, it felt like, you know, if you were just going by how many moves have been made, it felt like, yeah, it's been at least 48 hours, if not exactly. a week since we last recorded. But um, it, it was, it's been great. And you and I were actually just looking up before we started some of the older uh, winter meetings to kind of see when the last time is we had such a banger because you know it's been definitely a while we knew that last year the lockout was a nightmare the panini the year before the 2019 one i think a lot of people don't remember that's manny machado's class and i quizzed you on when he signed i'll give everyone a moment to think guess your date that manny machado signed it was february 21st yeah and it was not an anomaly in that there were other guys who had signed late it was just a really weird off season, so we've been getting some real dud off seasons here for reasons sometimes outside of baseball, other times self-inflicted wounds, uh, like the lockout. But this has been amazing. It's back to you know old school. A uh, ton of stuff happened, bunch of stars signed. So enough preamble. Let's get in. Let's start with the big dog staying where he is. Not a whole lot of analysis there because he's not changing teams. But what do you think when you saw that after all the back and forth, Aaron Judge stays in New York for the big fat deal? Yeah, I, I couldn't have been happier for him, for me. Uh, I mean, worst case scenario, I felt like he would sign with the the Dodgers or the Padres from a fan perspective, right? At the end mm-hmm. of the Giants fan, you know, I was really afraid he's going to sign with the Dodgers or uh, the Padres. And clearly, as we'll talk about with Xander Bogarts, they apparently made a bigger offer to Judge than the Yankees did, and he took the Yankees' offer to return to New York. Um which I think is a little bit surprising, but I guess not I super surprising uh, considering how high the tax rate is in, in California. So, um, and then the second worst case scenario is going to be my giant signing. One, I think it would have been horrible for his fantasy value, uh, but two, I, I don't want the end of that contract. <laughs> like, I really yeah. just don't. Like, I it, don't it, think it just seems impossible that it's going to. And listen, I don't want to get all hung up on that. I don't want to rain on fans parades when their team signs somebody because we've seen some discourse about it you know it's not your money and i agree with all that right like let the yeah. players get paid this more than some of the other ones though like it's not hard to see it going bad pretty quickly due to his body not his skill yeah. i'm not here to say that aaron judge isn't a god he is but he played the buck 55 in 2017 then languished through a few seasons did play 148 in 2021 it's not like he was on the sidelines a whole bunch in 21. So we've got back-to-back 
full seasons here of excellence, but he's going to be 31, you know, and yeah. you're signing the big deal there. Hey, as long as they keep giving him the special balls, though. Oh, my God. What a nightmare that is. And, like, I, you know, I, I haven't read, like, the whole the whole report on that. But um, MLB, like, how dumb are, are the people who run MLB it's... or whoever's in charge of the balls? Because, I mean, you have to think that Rob Manfred at this point isn't the one who, like, is doing this shit necessarily. God, but, but he's responsible still... yep. for all the people that are. like that, That's part um, of being the king, you know? Yeah. Um, you wear it all. How do you not think this is going to get figured out, especially with so many reports on on like the state of the baseballs? It's the same the people doing the reporting too. Yeah, you think like, they're just going to know up? what they're. You know, they're going to do continue to check these things. So and like, inst- instead of being on the up and up, they're trying to uh, persecute people who are helping Dr. Meredith Wills and others, like yeah. people who are giving them the balls. They want to attack those people instead of not freaking have three different baseballs, you know, yeah. like how about you don't have to worry about undercutting people if you just have a straight up baseball. It's bad. And I got to be honest, it's not getting enough attention. It's not. Um, it's just really, really not. And maybe this uh, because of the bonanza that we had, our eye is just drawn, you know, especially for us. We're in fantasy. And I'm not saying that the ball doesn't matter for fantasy, but uh, we're going to be we're the cat chasing the laser pointer we see all these moves we're going to focus on that plus i don't think either of us are super equipped to have too deep of a discussion on the ball stuff because we're not scientists no but i trust no, the I, people I, who I from a scientist uh, I, I trust the people who did do the work though and it's a super effed up situation that i again i think deserves more heat and i didn't mean to derail us on it but aaron judge was a prime beneficiary there and I, i'm not trying to like undercut his season or whatever but the simple fact is he got a better advantage. Absolutely. That was talked about in the article. So anyway, I don't know what, what what's going to happen with the ball. Nobody's paying for 62 homers from him anyway. What do you see as a follow-up now that you know his home stadium won't change? Where What do you got judged for as a loose projection? I know you've been working on pitcher projections, so you might not have done anything hitter-wise. Yeah. But generally speaking – what are you expecting on a judge if you wind up with him in the first round? They got 44 and 106 with 10 steals chipped in as the steamer projection. Where do you come off on that? Um, yeah, I, I would probably come somewhat close to that, probably a little bit under. Uh, but I think it, I think you gotta project him for like 650 plate appearances or somewhere around that. Um, 40 home runs. 10-ish stolen bases um and you know and then 280 batting average something like that like yeah they gave him a 276 and maybe that's just age regression of being 31 but he's 284 career for judge 311 this past year 287 the year before that it was 257 back in the 2020 you know i don't give a crap about that so then you're looking at 272 278 i don't know 276 it has to just be a little bit of age regression which i get but I, I think he can be a batting average asset again. And the thing of it is, because we saw the 16 steals, people are going to think, okay, I'm getting five categories. I would I would project him more for like seven or eight just, just to protect myself from expectations, knowing that I could maybe get double digits from Judge. Are you taking him in the first round? Though? Like, a, Is he somebody that you're looking to get when, let's say you have like the sixth pick and he's still there? I don't think I don't I don't I don't think I'm taking him that high, uh, but I think I would consider him 
in the back end of the first round. Something with um, a double digit, 10, 10 yeah. and beyond is when you start to consider. And I, you know, I mean, I really, I'm really kind of torn on where I would take him uh, only because outfield is so bad that I can, I can make the argument that you should take him earlier. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the question is, do you want to start with that level of risk? Cause I know he has had two full seasons of the, you know, of the last two, mm-hmm. but I still worry about that body holding up over the Absolutely. course of full seasons. And so would you rather, fair. would you rather take him versus a guy like Mookie Betts versus a guy like Juan Soto? Um, I struggle with that. And I probably would take those guys over. him. Um, yeah. And that's the thing because you talked about with judge, that one of the reasons that you would be interested in taking him is the the dearth of outfield. But if you're taking another outfielder in that spot, then it, you know yeah. you are still addressing that uh, that dearth there. And you got Acuna, J. Rod, Judge, Tucker, Soto, Betts, and Alvarez all going in that first round because not not only because they're great, but also because that outfield you really want to lock and, that up. And I'm probably taking. All of those guys outside of Alvarez over Judge, because yeah. I think Alvarez has a similar injury risk, right? We yes, you know. with those knees. I mean, mm-hmm. his youth is helping him at, at that end. Um, I do worry about how those knees are going to age with Alvarez. But hey, great for Judge, great for the Yankees. Gets paid and and well deserved. He's going to remain a, a top top half pick on on average. Although his uh, max pick was twelve. Uh, for Aaron Judge. Now I'm I'm actually looking at a more uh, refined period here. I've been looking since December only. So I've only got a 12 draft sample, but he's been living in the 3 to 7 range there for Aaron Judge. So I don't think either of us <clears throat> excuse me are really looking to take him there. Um I'd be more in on Tucker, Rodriguez, Acuña usually goes ahead of him and then uh, Soto Judge, you're going Soto, you said? Yeah, yeah, I'm going Soto yeah. over Judge. Yeah. Me too. All right, let's move on then. Xander Bogarts, former division mate of Aaron Judge, he's not going back. He's going to the Padres. And you talked about how the Padres had a big deal out for Trey. Uh, Apparently, they had a big deal out for Judge. They end up with Bogarts. And I think a lot of people are perplexed by it. Maybe the term and the fact that they have, what, three, is it three, $300 million players now with uh, Soto, Machado, and um, uh, Bogarts. But I'm wondering, like, oh wait, no, not Soto. Who's the other one? I thought they, I thought they had three. Uh, Tatis. Oh yeah, duh, duh. The guy who's not there. That that uh, everyone's like, where's he going to play? He's an outfielder. I've been, I've been feeling that since he got hurt. That he's going to come back as an outfielder. He's going, so he's going to be a, the left fielder. I would assume. Yeah, I was not surprised that they were in on Trey and then ended up with Bogart. I don't think that that crowds things the way other people do. Cronenworth's going to be the first baseman. Kim's going to be second. Bogart's going to be short, and even when Tatis comes back, which I believe his suspension ends in late April, mm-hmm. I think he goes to the outfield. I completely believe that he's going to be an outfielder. So I don't think it complicates things. Let's focus on Bogey, though. He gets paid, gets 11 years. He's going out to San Diego. What do you think uh, What do you think we see out of Bogart's in San Diego year one? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question. I, I haven't looked quite at the park factors yet on him. Uh, moving to San Diego, I, I mean, I'm always kind of skeptical of a guy in a new, you know, new stadium, new conference, not new conference, new league. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I I mean, th- it's a great team, like, right? Like, we have him batting fourth in this lineup uh, and probably continues to bat fourth once Tatis comes back. I think uh, Kim then probably slides down. Yeah, uh, I love Kim, but you got to slide him down there. But I don't think he loses yeah. his job. Again, I really believe that Kim will remain the everyday second baseman and Tatis will be in the outfield. So he, He's uh, like a $15 million a year player, too. So that, like, That's the thing. They, they brought him over, you know, uh, for, yeah. for a deal. Oh, no, it's actually seven, though. That's not oh, bad. that's not bad at all. Four years, 28. So that, that could be a utility player. But I, I just don't think he'll have to be. Um, so let me give you some numbers on Bogarts that might color where you're at with him. He really loved Fenway. He leveraged that mm-hmm. part for his career, 872 OPS, 758 on the road. Now, you know, we don't just go around and say, okay, somebody like that, just take their road numbers and that's who they are. That's not the right way to do it. But you have to look and think, okay, he was this uh, dependent on Fenway for a lot of his numbers. He's not going to get that same boost at home. Doesn't mean he can't perform. It's just a matter of will he get better on the road to mitigate what he loses at home, or maybe he will be that successful in San Diego. Part of uh, you know good home numbers are just the fact that everyone's better at home. You're more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's Fenway, which is a nice place to hit for a guy like that who can just blast the ball off the green monster all day. So knowing that he has the big split, does that make you put Bogarts down a little bit? I don't think it necessarily puts him down a little bit, but I think I will just be a little bit more tentative on pulling the trigger. Okay. Um, He's the 10th shortstop off the board right now. Yeah. um, In these, in these 12 drafts during this month, he's below Edmund and Swanson and O'Neill Cruz. And I'm not sure I agree with any of those three. Oh, definitely not. Um, I'm bringing up my ranks right now, but I'm pretty sure I've got him around seven. Uh, now it's pre uh, projections, so once uh, I yeah, finish my projections on, on yeah, definitely, yeah, I have him eight. So, I mean, for me, the question is, would you rather have kind of the safety of Bogarts, mm-hmm. uh, versus uh, the upside of Tim Anderson, who can't stay on the field, Dansby Swanson? Who you know will the park change? Out here. Yeah, yeah, have an issue, be an issue for him. He's previously had injury issues as well. Um, and Fernando Tatis, who is coming off suspension, I think there should be massive questions about Tommy Edmond, considering the uh, Cardinals apparently were in on all the shortstops as well. They haven't signed one yet, but they've reportedly been in. Like, could Edmond end up? moving into some sort of super utility role does he get uh moved off because as much as we love him for fantasy a real life you know value on a player like that is lessened um true but he's coming off a six win season i i understand he did Um, a lot for them now i I don't know if they want edmund as an everyday shortstop that i can agree with but i do think that if they found a shortstop if they were on a dansby or a correa I don't think it murders Edmund. I do think he becomes that super util. Or honestly, I think Edmund plays over Brendan Donovan. So I, I do too. The only problem is Donovan is one of the few lefties they have in that lineup. That's also a good point. But so, at least Edmund wouldn't be hurt by that because he's a switch. But I yeah. hear your general point there. Um, so going back to, to Bogarts here, I'm surprised he's this low. And I guess it's just because I haven't done a draft in a while. That is really, really low. Uh, at, at, at shortstop 10. I know it's just the depth of shortstop, but the, he's even after a, a, a cliff. You got Edmund at pick 77, and then Bogarts jumps down to 90. So he's almost a round later there. 
I mean, I'm I'm in on that. I love Bogarts. Yeah. He's he's steady, like you said. You, you know, you're buying the safety of just production there. I think he'll be fine. Now, I do have a little tentativeness about guys in the first year of a huge deal. We talked about that a bunch. Shouts to uh, Glenn Colton and Rick Wolf. That's part of their smart system as well. Totally agree with that. That gives me a little pause, but I do think that this price kind of bakes in some of that risk. I would normally be a little bit risk, uh, find Bogart's a little risky, but now that the price has come down, I think that kind of matches some of the risk. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I also think that we often, uh, or I, I, at least personally for me, like I'm more worried about that typically for pitchers than I am for yes, hitters. Me too. And that's where it started for me was, was a pitcher thing. And because like when I started ad adhering to that, I didn't even know it was part of the smart system. So I wasn't trying to bite, bite their stuff at all, but they have it for all huge contracts, which I can totally get, but it was mostly a pitcher thing for me. And I don't think Bogarts is going to go there and put up like an 80 WRC plus or anything like that. But, you know, he's been at a solid 133 since 2018. I think I'm projecting him for more of a, of a strong, healthy 120 WRC plus type season from Bogarts. What do you think about that? I think that's probably pretty fair. To me, Bogarts is one of the safest shortstops. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you know, obviously Trey Turner extremely safe, but you can't say that Bobby Witt's extremely safe. As much no. as I love Bichette, the, we saw the downside early on. Mm -hmm. You know, you rebound. He had a rally. Um, yeah, I know you rebound. And you rebound great. Um, but like there is uh some risk there. We've seen down seasons from Lindor. Uh, Tatis, obviously, there is a huge downside. Yeah, we, 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 know, you know, we know that we, downside. Yeah, those people who spent, you know, the second overall pick on him last year, early on in draft season, uh, that one hurt. So, um, you know, Tim Anderson, I love Tim Anderson on a per plate appearance, you know, basis. But how many how many plate appearances are we going to get? So, like Bogarts is um, that steady Eddie, uh, and mm -hmm. I think I think that is one of the reasons why he's actually down because I think early drafters often reach for upside they want that flash uh, a little bit more and, I think and he was unsigned and we talk about this phenomenon a lot all the unsigned guys are just a bit cheaper mm -hmm. so we'll see if he starts to matriculate up a bit we'll let a bit more a few more drafts get in the books before we look at that but uh, don't be surprised if he jumps up to that seven eight range in the 70s pick range there because oh, Cruz, Swanson, and Edmund are uh, and Seager actually in the range of 70 to 77. Bogarts could join that crew now that he's signed. I think uh, he will, yeah. It's never that we're worried that they won't sign. It's just that the market wants to see where they're going to be at. So they ends up, there ends up being a little bit of a discount. Uh, let's move on to Wilson Contreras. He ends up in St. Louis. I think when you're looking at Contreras and then Sean Murphy on the trade block, Contreras as a free agent, Sean Murphy on the trade block. We, 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 we've got, oh, and Danny Jansen also on the trade block. We got St. Louis and Houston filling their catcher holes in some way, shape or form one down. St. Louis goes ahead and gets the division rival Wilson Contreras and brings them over on a five-year deal. Houston hasn't done anything yet, but I think they'll either trade for Dan Jan or Murphy and, and figure out their stuff. Let's focus on what St. Louis does. They replace a guy who's been there for like 40, 40 years, I think, is what uh, Yadi Molina's career was. Literally 20, though. That That, that is crazy when, when you have two decades locked up behind the dish there, essentially. And now you got to have a new guy come in. You steal somebody from a division rival, 
who is excellent. He doesn't catch the same way that that Yachty does, but Wilson Contreras can hit the hell out of the ball way better than anything that recent Yachty Molina has been doing, or even really peak Yachty Molina. What do you think of Wilson Contreras heading over to the division rival Cardinals? This is an interesting one because I originally was all like, well, and I, I mean, I said this on Twitter. It's how I got corrected. Uh, I said, like, you know, this is a great team contextual move for Contreras, right? Like the team is just going to be that much better and he's going to hit probably in the middle of that lineup uh, in St. Louis, uh, if mm-hmm. not near the top of that lineup, depending on just how they construct that uh, that everyday lineup. Um but the park, man, the park sucks. Like that's a that's a pretty bad. But I got corrected by Matt Cupferly um, of uh, uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits and um, FTN, uh, and he said, like you know, Bush Stadium actually played really friendly last year. And so oh. if you take off like the the um, the three year rolling, rolling, you see that it was like a top ten park for <laughs> right handed hitters last year. Um, which is crazy. Now, um, this is uh, CJ Kaltenbach, uh, who's a big uh, Cardinals guy. He mm-hmm. was like, you know what? He goes, I think, I don't know how sticky it is. Like, I think that's pretty fluky. Um, you know, I, I thought you were to bring up something league. else, though, that I want to add into this while you're talking. Mm-hmm. Wrigley also didn't play very friendly. Yes. And then that's what he said. That's, that's how I thought you were going to go on that piece. Um, not bringing, yeah, I, I forgot that San Francisco or San Francisco, St. Louis actually played pretty well last year for righties, but Wrigley didn't either. So comparing to the 2022 park factors, this is a big park advantage for Contreras. But looking at the if, three, if year, we think that is going to, yeah, exactly, yeah, that's why we do three year though, and it, because yeah. it weeds out some of the noise. But then at three year, Justin, they're dead even, 97 apiece for righties. So once you realize that the park move isn't that severe for Contreras, how did that alter your outlook on him? It makes me feel a lot better. Um, I still am a little bit concerned that the park will not play as well as it does traditionally. I also worry about the plate appearances now because in Chicago, he could DH a bunch. Um, Will he be, you know, a regular DH guy to keep him in the lineup with how stacked that team is? I mean, we're talking about, you know, guys like Nolan Gorman and Juan Yepes on the bench regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and like, obviously, he is a better hitter and more valuable team than them. So maybe he will get a lot more DH time. Uh, but I just I worry, like, will he be able to get to, you know, 450 plus plate appearances um, as easily, he's done like 480 each of the last two seasons, but that's been with a lot of DH time, uh, in those two seasons. So, well, maybe dialing back up to over 100 games catching will be in the cards for Contreras. That's that's uh, potentially true. I was gonna say because he didn't last year, right? Because mm-hmm. part of that playing time that you're talking about with Contreras 39 starts at DH, 72 at catcher, that was his lowest. Uh, for any of his full seasons, 116, 99, 133, and 108 the years before that. So maybe that allows the cards to push him back up to those 100 levels, and maybe he's not DHing as much, but it's also not costing him too much uh, on his plate appearance total. So valid point, but there is a way where he still gets to like the 450 plus, even though he's been at 480 the last two years. Do you think the production stays pretty much the same though? 20-something homers, uh, you know, he had – 
high 50s ribbies. I think he can get back into the 60s on this club and then a batting average around, you know, 240, 245-ish. Do, do you see that for uh, for Contreras? Uh, yeah, I think that's about right. Like, I okay. like I don't think the production really slips that much. And, yeah. you know, as much as I, you know, I probably sound pretty negative right now, ultimately, um, I love Wilson Contreras. I love where he's going. Um I, there are going to be a lot of drafts where he drops because people are so enamored with the young crop coming up. Uh, I've already drafted him twice, I think. Um, I took the Kinchurai at, at first pitch. That's right. Arizona. I, like, and I, I believe like I took him in another another draft as well. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I like the cost this year, and I think he is about as stable as you can come and about as safe as you can come with, with a starting catcher outside of, like, spending a second round pick on JT Ramuto. Exactly. It's the price that I like so much with Contreras in the December drafts, pick one Oh one. I'm paying that all day. Another yeah. uh, stay and put big move last night, Brandon Nimmo, eight wow. year deal. And again, we really just care about next year. So we don't have to get too hung up on the deal. I will say though, I was a bit surprised that he was able to get that term because you talk about health and this was his, his first healthy season ever at age 29 last year and it was a fantastic year but you're talking about 92 games in 21 69 and 19 and then his previous high 140 back in 2018 69 the year before that that is a little bit nerve-wracking he had he's a guy who has remade himself in the in the field to where he is a quality defender so you got a quality defender who gets on base like crazy that could age well uh, i mean the plate skills will age well guaranteed but will the body? That's the part that I don't know. So, again, I don't want to get too hung up on the long term of it because we're in fantasy. We go year to year. But what what did you think when you saw that he got the eight-year, basically the uh, Shinsu Chu deal without being Shinsu Chu? I, I mean, he had more plate appearances last year than he did in 2021, 2019 combined. Um, which, like, there's one season that's the outlier and it's last year. Like I just, I mean, I, it I just totally is right. This was another one of the guys, the giants were rumored to really covet. Um, and I can understand why they didn't go as big. I, I mean, I'm shocked. He got this kind of contract. Like I just, he's a 29 year old guy who's been injured the majority of his career. He's had like serious back issues. Like, this feels like a massive overpay. And obviously, like, you know, it's it's the Mets money and the Mets pro were in on um, you know, a, a number of guys and, and and missed out and they went, We're gonna get our guy back at least. Mm -hmm. Uh and I think in order for them to compete, they have to spend, unfortunately, because the uh Braves have such a huge um advantage over the rest of I mean the rest of major league baseball with like some of the guys the young guys that they've locked up long term like they just like they have such a huge advantage having Albies locked up and Acuña locked up and Michael Harris locked up and uh, you know at you know under market value deals so um yeah uh I don't I mean I don't know what is his price right now it's a, I mean for Nemo yeah uh, in I mean terms it's, it's going to be fair I don't feel like he gets overrated uh 176 uh, the 41st outfielder off the board that is in the the drafts here in December, as I mentioned. I'm just going to keep mentioning that so people know that we're looking at a more limited sample. But I want to get a more fresh sample. 
So yeah, 41st outfielder pick 176. How does that suit that, you? That's a pretty big jump because he was like 194 in just like if you looked at all of the draft champions. Um, so that means he has been he's been moving up uh fairly uh fairly quickly. Um hmm. He's there with the guy we're going to talk about here in a moment, uh, Mitch Hanniger, who is weirdly listed on San Diego. We'll have to uh, get yeah. NFBC to fix that. Uh, Oscar yeah, Gonzalez, sure. Riley Green, Cody Bellinger, who are also I'm, fi- I'm fine with him there. Like that okay. is not like, like that. That seems about right. If he moves up any, you know, if he starts getting into the Stanton and Christian Yelich, uh, Anthony Santander, like Taylor Ward area in like the 130s. You're out on Nimmo in that case. Then I'm, yeah, then I'm out. Like, okay. I just, I and honestly, I probably won't end up with him very often. Like, I think he'll he would need to drop. I and I do think he'll get the traditional bump of hey, guys in the news signed a big deal. He'll get bumped up, and if that is the case, I'm probably out. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I like Nimmo. I'm, I was so happy that he was able to stay healthy last year and seeing what he was able to do with a full season of health was great. I can't bet on that again, though. In fact, I I feel like a projection with him. I'm closer to like the 120 range. I I, I don't know. I don't know that one year, especially at age 31 now for Nimmo. I don't know if that that wipes away all, all the uh, all the concerns. Excuse me. It will be his age 30 season. He is currently 30, but uh, actually, no, he's not even currently 30. I don't know what what I was thinking there. Uh, but yeah, so it'll be his age 30 season, but that doesn't change that much age 31 to age 30. I like Nemo. I agree with you. That price is fair, but if it jumps up, you know, another round or two, you're going to find me on the outside. Yeah. Let's talk about Josh Bell. Big move here. First off, Cleveland stepping up, doing something. It's not a massive move uh, overall, but for them it is because they usually sit on their hands a bit. They don't do a whole lot. They, they cry poor quite a bit. But they go out and get Josh Bell. I think this is a great move. You want to talk park factors. Uh, going to Cleveland is going to be a really nice move. Now, he's a switch hitter, but he's going to be able to take advantage of the fact that uh, most of his at-bats are going to come as a left-hander, where hitting in Cleveland is great. Uh, that's the sixth highest park factor. It's a 107 home run park factor, which is eighth best, actually tied with Coors for seventh best. So I like this move for Josh Bell. I like this move for Cleveland. What did you think when you saw this deal? Uh, I mean, I I love this. Like I I didn't think Cleveland was going to sign any guys, and so this is why I hadn't really considered like him ending up there. But it's like the perfect spot for for him for, and it's the perfect guy for Cleveland. Like they don't have to break the bank, but it's uh, a match made in heaven. I agree. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's you know, and he get he has an opt out. So like if he really reestablishes his value, he can opt out and go back into the free agency pool next year. Uh, and try to uh, get get more money for a deal. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great great landing spot. I I think people are way too down on um, on Josh Bell right now. So, uh, like I I like his ADP has been extremely low. Nineteenth uh, first baseman. Yeah, at pick one ninety three for Josh Bell here in December. That's in between Cronenworth and Seth Brown. And then Rowdy Telez, Ty France, Ryan Mountcastle are the next three above that uh, above that group. And that feels light. You, and you, should, not- you should be using more than one draft. December only has one draft champions draft. Oh, what am I getting then? You, you probably have all drafts. Oh, I do. You know why? Because that's the way I had to do it. For Remember when you couldn't do You're right, by the way. We shouldn't be just using one draft. 
I, I'm, I'm going from eleven fifteen. For yeah, yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll change that. Remember when the draft, the ADP data first started? Though, if you selected mm-hmm. draft champions, nothing would come up. Yeah. But now that they have the gladiators, okay, that's a good call. So some of the info I gave is actually a little invalid because those gladiator drafts change a lot. So yeah. using your eleven fifteen range on Josh Bell, that actually moves him down. Yeah, he, uh, he's, he's the twenty third. First baseman at 205. Like that That's is crazy. insane, Bryce. You have Seth Brown, Luis Arise, Joey Manessis, Brandon Jury all going over him. Um no. it will move up. You will move up for sure. I think there were some concerns like, hey, what he 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 really struggled once he got to San Diego. Um, and like what is like is he gonna even have a full-time role at a new location? He's clearly gonna have a full-time role in Cleveland. Uh, and so I expect him to jump up probably to that Ty France, Roddy Telez. I, I was just going to bring up Ty France. How is he different? How's Josh Bell any different than Ty France? And they're not I mean, that I, far apart. I'd argue that Josh Bell has a much greater upside. I uh, would too, because we've seen a 37 home receiver. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I think he is likely the most underrated first baseman in the pool this year for fantasy. Uh, and I think this was. I mean, outside of him, like, landing a full-time job in Colorado or Cincinnati, like, yeah. is there a better job than this? Like, I just I, I, I don't like know. A lot. I think this is great. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, the, the aftermath there will be Josh Naylor will now go full platoon, as he should. Mm-hmm. This could be a less is more. You guys know I'm a big Josh Naylor guy. I'm not out on him after this. Usually you just want the volume. We can give back those lefty plate appearances. He's not doing anything with them. He has, um, let's see, what is that? That's going to be 217 plate appearances against lefties since 2021. 512 OPS. At least he was consistent. He put up a 512 and 21 and 22 for uh, Josh Naylor with two homers and 16 ribbies. You can give those numbers back. Uh, he, he can have that volume, that little extra volume for the blast on your rate stats isn't worth it. So I think that's a less is more situation with Naylor. If you were in on like a Will Brennan deep league play, uh, he is hit pretty hard by this because I think mm-hmm. he's going to go to the bench now where it looked like maybe he was going to be able to start a good bit. He now goes into a bench type role uh, for Cleveland there. So Will Brennan could still find time. You know, he could wiggle his way in there. You know, if they if they don't want to go with Miles Straw as much. Yeah, because I mean, we we talked about Oscar Gonzalez, like the underlying plate skills are mm-hmm. amazing. Um, injuries happen. Like, you know, I mean, this is, you know, it's not like Naylor's been the healthiest guy. Like, exactly. I mean, there are plenty of ways in which Will Brennan can become interesting. But I think at this moment, he becomes more of a draft champions play as opposed to uh, a regular league. So like Completely a draft agree. and hold, a best ball, like a late kind of pick in those leagues, um, as opposed to being a guy like a, a real sleeper for fab leagues. I totally agree there. By the way, just to catch up on some of that bad data I gave, Wilson Contreras is the seventh catcher off the board, pick 102. So similar pick, but higher up. I think he was nine or ten when we when we said it. And then uh, let me let me look at Nimmo just so we get that updated. And we know Judge is still an early first round guy. Nimmo is the 40th outfielder, pick 182. So not that different. But yeah, I was using faulty data there because now with the Gladiator drafts. You do need to select draft champions there. Mm-hmm. So thank you for correcting me on that. Uh, let's talk about Mitch Hanniger. I briefly mentioned him earlier. Like I said, for some reason, uh, NFBC has him on San Diego. He's actually on San Francisco. Wrong California team. 
Now, this I think you 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 could warm up to as a Giants fan. I think this is a fair deal here to go for Hanniger. Um, I think his power can play anywhere. You know, he was doing it in Seattle. I don't think San Francisco is going to be all that tough for him. Health is a bit of an issue, but you're not putting out a, a ton of money. It's a three-year deal. What do you think of Mitch Hanniger going to your team? I think this is a perfect deal for my Giants. Now, I hope it's the perfect deal because they're not going to be like a one and done in the free agency market. But we're starting to get to a point where there's not many big free agents they, left. Who else they going to get? There's some guys. Uh, there's still some guys. Shockingly to the listeners, I really want Dansby. Um, like I like this is like when you look at the rest of the pool, I'd be, I would be okay with Correa. I just worry what that contract is going to look like. Oh, it's going to um, be so bad. It's going to be so bad, right? Like it's, I mean, you're not not bad. yes, it's bad, big bad. Like I, I don't, I don't like what the contract is likely going to be like. But, um, to me, like I, I want Dansby, but like I felt like this is like the perfect perfect kind of guy for them to bring in it's a short-term deal uh they're kind of betting he can uh you know stay healthy for a full season the giants actually have a really really good track record with health recently um i think it was Eno. uh i can't remember if it was on one of his pods or just when i'm talking to him in person like he's talked about like like the the organization has really like changed philosophies and used um uh, statistics and underlying numbers to determine when guys get days off. And uh, like, they're really ahead of the curve compared to a lot of teams. And it's why like God, they've been able to bring in some of these kind of um, perennially injured guys uh, like the Alex Cobbs and the Drew Smiley's um, uh, and even like the Carlos Rodon's and keep them healthy for full season. So uh, I, you know, I trust that organization um in terms of keeping guys on the field to the best of their ability now that hasn't worked out well for brandon belt but you know i don't want one bad you do so much right? yeah. you, you, it's not magic they don't have yeah, magic exactly. no, no offense to, to bell man. it's not not, the, not the cardinals right there's no devil exactly magic. um uh, and i think the even your magic has run out at this point so uh yeah i mean i love hanniger i've always been a big hanniger guy uh and uh, so seeing with the Giants, you know, my I do wonder what they're going to do in terms of like defensively, um, because this was one of the worst defenses in baseball last year, especially in the outfield. Brutal, dude. It was um, so bad. And like I mentioned, the Giants were in on Nimmo. Uh, so like I, I, I mean, it sounds like right now, unless they make a trade for somebody. And I, you know, they haven't been a team. I don't believe that's been in on like the Brian Reynolds. Uh, um, is like they're probably going to run a platoon with, um, God, uh, why Austin Slater and uh, somebody? I mean, Alex Dickerson. Or are they both lefty? Do they? Dickerson, I don't. Dickerson's Dickerson not on. Yeah, no, they don't even. Uh, like uh, uh, Austin Slater and like Lamont Wade. Yeah, they got Ustremski in center right now. Yeah, it's probably gonna be your Stremski. Like uh the outfield defense might still be challenged. He's not that good in center, is he? I don't think so, but I don't either. Uh, I don't know how much he I don't know. Play. I don't like do they want Austin Slater playing every day? I don't think so. I think Austin Slater is a strong side platoon kind of guy. Um yeah, this was pretty yeah. good in center last year. Let me just let me just give him his, his love there. Five hundred and seventy two innings, he was not too bad. Okay. So, you know, maybe Oz is in center and 
uh, Peterson and Lev. It's still, it's still a really bad outfield defense. Yes. So if you thought the outfield defense was going to get better for the pitchers, um, you were probably wrong. Haniger um, or Jock in the outfield? I think you've got to go. Han- Jock's really bad in the outfield. Yeah, right yeah, I and mean, that's what he, that's what we've got at roster resource. Haniger and right, Jock at DH. He is. Yeah, he is a hitter I mean, this, only. Roster resource also has Lamont Wade Jr. and he's brutal in the outfield. Like so, like, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty poorly constructed team, especially from a defensive perspective. So. Like, while you give pitchers a little bit of bonus for that park, and the infield defense should be hopefully better, mm-hmm. um, uh, there's no guarantee of that because Longoria is gone now. You know, Brandon Crawford's another year older. It kind of depends on what they do in terms of do they add one of these shortstops? Like, if they add a Correa or a Swanson and move Crawford over to third base, then that infield defense starts looking really good. Um, so, uh, but for all the bonuses you give those pitchers, you have to take a little bit away because of that, that defense and uh, Hanager will be a part of that. Uh, you know, even though I think he is probably an upgrade over like Lamont Wade and, and Jock Peterson playing out there full time. Like he can't make up for the huge deficiencies they've got right now defensively from an offensive perspective. Like, I don't think he's super hurt by the park uh, as much as maybe people are going to say he will be. Um, yeah, Haniger again, he was crushing in Seattle, which yeah. is not a good park to hit in. In fact, it's the second worst for righties over the last three years, and, and the Giants aren't 30th. So he's going to a better park. In fact, as we've been covering over the last few years, Y'all's Park is playing a lot better. 10th yeah. against righties for the last three seasons. That's really good. It's a park boon. Now, it's not for homers. That's overall park factor. Yeah. Um, the home run park factor is 77, so that is bad. But extra base hits, he should be able to get maybe some more extra base hits. And maybe Mitch Haniger does lose a few homers. Um, but what if he makes it up in average? What if he hits like 265, but maybe a full season is like 28 to 31 homers instead of the 39 that he hit in 2021? I don't think that's terrible for Haniger. And I mean, in terms of power, like you really have to like look at like the individual year breakdowns and stuff. Things change massively because of the weather in San Francisco. Like casual um, weather, yeah, casual weather is a huge, huge uh, thing in San Francisco. That's such a deep <laughs> reference. Uh, there are yeah. like six people that are like laughing right now, and everyone we, else. Is like, we, what we've, does that got, mean? we've gotten it recently, so I know. Um, I'm not going to explain it. You'll have to go find the casual weather yep. episode from it's like from the Panini. That's all I can tell yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like in in 2021, he, if he played all of his games in San Francisco, he would have had 43 home runs, as opposed to the 39 he had. Like so, you know. And last year he would have lost a home run playing his games in San Francisco. So, like, there's like a, it really depends on what you know how many night games they're playing versus mm-hmm. day games, uh, versus just random weather patterns. And so, um. I wouldn't be too worried about it. I think this is a neutral lateral move to San Francisco in terms of the park. Uh, And I, you know, the only thing is how much does he lose in terms of like the team around him not being nearly as good as the reason I didn't watch judge is like, you know, he could, Hanager could hit 40 home runs. Will he have 55 RBS with those 45 home runs? Because that the team is still not good. Like I like certain aspects of it, but when you've got, jd davis 
playing first base and hitting the middle hey, of your lineup. Like he tore the cover off the ball with y'all. Yeah, in the 15 games or whatever it was. Like, I'm just sure, saying yeah. what he did. <laughs> I, I, hope they give, I hope they give him a chance. But, like, this is why I didn't want the Giants giving out a $400 million contract. It's like, you're not close enough to, like, to do this right I now. I agree. Like, yeah, so. I agree. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think Hanniger's probably pretty underrated right now. Yeah, l- l- let me loop in the next guy here so we don't get too bogged down on Hanniger. Because mm-hmm. I wonder if you would have rather signed this guy. Now, he is from the old division rival Dodgers there. But given the defensive issues that you're talking about, would you have been more interested in, in them bringing in Cody Bellinger the way the Cubs oh, absolutely. did? absolutely. I wish, the, wish they brought him both. Like, Bellinger. That would have been cool. But I think there was no way Bellinger was going to sign in what was perceived as a bad hitters part because he's trying to get a one-year deal to reestablish his value. Um, I'm surprised he didn't end up in a better hitters park than Chicago. Like, I, I mean, I would have thought like it probably came down to where he can get a role, right? It probably came down to like who's going to commit to playing him. Yeah. Bellinger. And so maybe even a team, I'm not saying that he even talked to Colorado, but um, he is the, the right age. They consider him a prospect at this age. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he could have gone there. But, you know, at 27, obviously there's still plenty of upside, but there is downside with with what he's done or hasn't done. But I think this deal is totally fair. It ends up being a one-year, 17.5 mil, 12-5 guaranteed, and then a buyout if they don't do the second year. It's a mutual option. I like this move. The simple fact is, is that even as bad as this past year was, with an 883 WRC+, plus, that is horrendous, he was still worth 1.7 more because of his base running and defense, which essentially earned the base contract, which is the 12.5 mil. So it's not an overpay either. I saw some people talking overpay on Bellinger. I think people just don't understand how much players get paid because it's not an overpay. I have zero issue with this deal for the Cubs. Honestly, I, I thought he was going to get $20 million. I thought he'd get one twenty. I did too. I I wish the Giants had give give him twenty five million. Like he would have been the perfect fit for the Giants. You can put him in the middle of the lineup. Um, he's going to play great defense. Uh, really make up for the deficiencies you have on the corners. How sick of an outfield would it been for the Giants to have? You know, Hanniger, uh, Bellinger, Peterson out there, or you Yastrzemski. know, or Yastrzemski with Peterson DHing. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think this would have been the perfect fit for the Giants. Uh, I, you know, and it's not you don't have to make the long term commitment, right? No, um, but what do you think about it for the Cubs though? So they're going to get him. He basically, uh, you know, slots into the middle of their lineup. They they lose Contreras, so and it's not a one for one. Obviously, Contreras was better. But if Bellinger plays like he can, then he essentially replaces the Contreras production. Um, are you back in drafting Bellinger? At his current price, yes. Okay. Um, and it feels like his signing is a little bit overshadowed Absolutely. Uh, by a lot of the other ones. Like He's currently going off the board as a 43rd outfielder, 188th overall, right behind our good friend Joey Manessis and the guy we've been talking about in terms of Mitch Hanniger and, and Nemo, Brandon right Nemo. I was going to say, he, all I'll the guys... take him over all of those guys on upside alone. Like we're talking about a guy who was a first round pick not that long ago, has won an MVP, won a rookie of the year. Um, he's done, he's shown some short videos of him reworking his swing. This, you know, 
now we're talking like when I say short, we're talking like 10 seconds. Like this is not like it's not even two swings. It is one swing and smile at the camera type video. Um I'm fixed. And so hey, like he was uh, the 38th outfielder last year on the auction calculator. Because outfield's so bad. Because like, it, it sucks, and he went 19-14. So he did hit yeah. 210. That that obliterated your batting average. But he went 19-14 with the homers and steals. So there was some value there for Cody Bellinger. Realistically, though, can't. What, what do you think? Does he get back? Does he get back to being a plus player? I know he can. Are you projecting it? For oh, Bellinger? I'm not. No, I'm not projecting it. I'm okay. probably. I'll probably project him for like a twenty. A, probably a twenty fifteen season with like a two thirty batting average. I would take uh, that though. If he was but, able to go nineteen fourteen two ten and be a top forty outfielder. With with 20... a percent, like if we're saying like that is the median outcome, we're talking, you know, it like you're you're talking about a guy who's potentially like a 40 20 guy, like yep. I you know, that's... with a two fifty or two sixty batting average. Like it just he's he's potentially a first round player, and like none of the guys going around him are really potentially a first round player. I mean, obviously anybody can have like a huge breakout that we sure. never see coming and stuff. It, it happens ever, you know, uh, here and there, but like, are we really thinking that like Riley green has a shot at being a first round player in 2024? I think probably Harrison, not. I think Harrison Bader does at pick 38 or at outfielder 38. But uh, as far as the snapshot of guys I'm seeing in that outfielder 38 to 48 type range, I think Bellinger and Hanniger are the are the next best options. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can make the argument like Whit Merrifield was just a second rounder and he's going down there. Uh, Michael Conforto, you know, maybe I, like I, well, I want to say don't... on Merrifield, I don't think he'll bounce back. Like he he does not strike the ball well enough. I my, think the speed... my bigger concern is the speed in Toronto. They didn't let him run. That's the thing. It's not his speed. It's that they don't let. Yeah. So if you're not doing anything with the bat, now he hit 281. He, and the, we talked about this with Merrifield during the season. He got back to being himself for most of the year. It's just that that early part of the season killed him. And then when he got to Toronto, they took him off the, you know, stopped letting him run and he wasn't playing. So uh, I know this is not a Merrifield discussion, but you're right to bring up that he's been recently good. But I feel you, Bellinger, you know, has that massive upside. I don't. I, I I can't say it's being overrated because pick one eighty eight is just not that bad. But I, some people are just going to go down with that Bellinger ship for another two three years because he's so young. You just you just know it's the case. And I understand it, but at least now you're not getting penalized in the way that you were getting penalized exactly taking him at one thirty last year mm -hmm. or taking him in the top fifty the year before. Like you're not getting you're not getting penalized in the same way that you previously had so like, that's a very valid point i don't mind it like if you're like this is the time like you guys like top 150 picks that's when you start making the gamble picks right mm -hmm. you know if you've drafted safely through the first 10 rounds or through the first 12 rounds in a 12 teamer you now can go okay i've drafted safely i haven't taken a ton of risks now i can take a few risks because if if your 11th or 12th or 15th round pick doesn't pan out 
Like, who cares? Whatever. You'll pick yeah. someone up off the waiver wire. Like, you're not yeah, I mean, you know. you know that the range of outcomes includes not panning out. Yeah, well, exactly. I wouldn't say it's a full who cares, but you, you know that that's just in the cards. Yeah, so absolutely. That, that is there with Bellinger, and that will make him somebody that a lot of people are going to be excited to go ahead and, and take the gamble on. What about Masataka Yoshida heading out to Boston? I guess I should have said he's shipping up to Boston. Uh, on a five-year, $90 million deal, setting resetting the record for uh, players coming over, position players, I should say, uh, from the MPB. Say Suzuki's 585 did it last year. Yoshida gets $5 million more. What do you think about him with Boston? Um, I mean, I think this is a really nice signing by Boston. It happened really fast. I mean, he was posted that morning. Yep. And then signed, which makes you wonder, like, hey, how, how much it, of this? It doesn't make me wonder. I know exactly that they had to have been like this was already this was already figured out, and they were just waiting for, yep. um, waiting for the actual signing itself, right? Like, yeah, because that's the only answer, right? Yeah. Uh, this, I mean, so that being said, like, um, yeah, I mean, I I like the signing for him. I'm trying to find. Uh, I saw Tim McLeod and, and Bubba uh, 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 Entrican uh, talking about it on Twitter. And let's see. Oh, there we go. Uh, it was because Bubba had just drafted Yoshida like right before they announced the signing. Oh, that's amazing. Good fortune. Uh, so and then so Bubba asked, well, what do you think? You know, because Tim McLeod is our Japanese and Korean baseball kind of. Uh, guy and uh, mm-hmm. so Tim, Tim McLeod said 15 to 20 home runs, uh, you know, 350 on base percentage, um, and a pile of runs scored at the top of the Red Sox lineup. Um, you know, uh, it was what he was he was looking at Yoshida being like, so maybe a little bit better version, a more powerful version of Alex Verdugo. Okay. Seems seems that about right. So, yeah, um, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, and like, it's not like, uh, let's see, Yoshida's uh, ADP is currently like right at pick 300, 300 flat on the butt, uh, but so, a range of 222 to 392. And this is in your seven uh, sample here. So uh, how much is he going to go up? You think for Yoshida? I think he'll probably settle in around that, uh, that min. So around the 220. Okay. Would Are be you my guess. That? And then you're talking about him. In the Michael Conforto, Ramon Laureano, Lourdes Gurriel, Brian De La Cruz area. I'm fine with that. Like that, that, that all, seems fair. That all makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So Yoshida, obviously, we haven't seen a whole lot, but he's been he's been a very good player overseas there. You know, a nice power guy, big time batting average guy. Uh, we'll see how much that translates. It's not a one to one with the MPB and MLB, but. He's going to be in Boston. I mean, they got somebody. Obviously, Boston fans are still reeling from not getting Bogarts. But they did get Yoshida, who is a nice pickup. And they also signed Kenley Jansen as we transition into uh, pitchers here. Actually, we have one other uh, hitting thing. We'll do Jansen since we're on Boston. Then we'll get to the two Oakland hitters since they're not that crazy. But Kenley Jansen going to Boston should be their closer. Uh, that kind of puts out uh, – that kind of kicks uh, the the Tanner Houck thing to the curb which they're already stretching him out. They mentioned that, hey, they're stretching him out. Whitlock has a spot. Houck's being stretched as a potential starter. But I think that fallback of him closing is now out the door with Jansen coming in. What do you think of Jansen as a Red Sox? I mean, I, I think it's perfect landing spot for him. Like, he's on a good team. He's going to save a lot of games for the Red Sox. 
Uh, it's great for fantasy because it just takes out one of those situations that we just assumed was going to be in flux all all year. Uh, you know, um, you know, sucks for you know a couple of my early DCs where I took a gamble on Matt Barnes late, uh, but whatever. Uh, I yeah, I mean, I think it's a fine spot. Like I don't, I'm not worried about it. Like I just, uh, you know, I think he's probably a top 10, 12 closer. You know, as he always has been, right? He's no longer the elite guy, but he is a pretty steady Eddie. Okay. I think that's fair on Jansen. You know, he's getting a bit older. I think uh, the price is coming down with that age, though. And mm-hmm. so, you know, now that he has a spot locked in, he's the 91st pitcher off the board and or 38th pitcher, 91st pick. It, that's going to go up now that he has a full, full-time full role. It's on a perceived good team, but Justin, is Boston actually good? I don't know. Do you think um, they will be? They're not. I don't think they are right now. I think a lot of things have to come together for them to be. What is the likelihood that they're like a legit contender? Without I don't think, knowing what they're going to do, by the way. I, I know that they could change. I mean, with, with the new playoff system and having the three wildcard teams, like I think that uh, obviously teams who wouldn't have been competitive, you know, considering the playoff setup a few years ago are contenders now. Um, and so, like, could Boston compete? Absolutely. But are they the fifth best team in their division? Absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, that's what they finished this past year. And I, I don't think that they're ahead of Baltimore right now. So that's the, probably the one no. team that, that you would say that they're ahead of if you're trying to look at it. But I, I don't think they're there yet. I, I don't believe in the Their pitching. rotation is bad. It's I awful. Mean, when Nick Pavetta is your number two, you like as much as I think Chris Sale is going to be fine this year, um, when he is the only stable quote unquote piece of your rotation, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know a lot of people are really, ex, uh, ex, you know, um, excited on ba- uh, Bayo. Yeah. Uh, but like, we're talking about like James Paxton is there for, like, I like Whitlock a lot. I like Whitlock like, too. Yeah. Like the, there are guys I like, but the uncertainty of that rotation for a, a wannabe contender. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, and so that's the part that that's really tough there. But Kenley Jansen is going to be the closer. You can draft him confidently I mean, as a closer. Right now, Eric Hosmer's their five hitter. <laughs> that's so vile. Like this is this is not the Red Sox you know and love. Like this is a and like shame on the ownership. I know like Bloom is like the general manager is getting a lot of heat right now, but this yeah. is all ownership just saying oh, we don't want to spend um shame on them like this is uh like they are one of the richest franchises in major league baseball just like when Uh, the cubs were crying poor it's the same exact thing just yeah the national league like i mean this team would look a whole lot different with mookie Betts still on it with um you know with bogart still on it like you know just one of them right and now you know they're not going to re-sign devers right devers going to end up somewhere else right yeah i mean it certainly seems like it um maybe maybe he's the one that they pay but yeah who knows what they got going on there i will be open to taking uh to taking jansen but again i don't think it's a great situation over there in boston let's talk about oakland's couple signings there with Aledmus diaz and jace peterson and then we'll get into the rest of the pitching moves neither of these are knocking your socks off but we're both deep league players 
And this Oakland team is still in a position where both of these guys could end up playing quite a bit. And I will point out that Jace Peterson in 328 plate appearances had eight homers, 12 steals. He was a nice little fantasy find for folks off the waiver wire. And Aledmus Diaz, I don't think, uh, you know, he hasn't really been great. He's kind of that boring glue fill-in when you need need a guy for a couple weeks here and there. 12 homers, 96 WRC plus this past year and 327 plate appearances. Do either Peterson or Diaz get you excited in deep leagues for Oakland? Um, Diaz, yeah, a, a little bit, just because, I mean, he's going to play every day. And the one thing he hasn't been able to do in Houston is play every day. Um, I don't think he's going to be, like, extremely special, but I think he can volume his way to some real deeply relevancy um, now that he's, you know, going to get the opportunities to get the 500 plus plate appearances uh, in Oakland that he wouldn't have gotten Houston against. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's probably a guy that I'm looking to target, especially because I think he's still multi-positional eligible. Should be. Cer- certainly should be. So, you know, again, these are moves. Both guys penciled in the start right now. They could make a lot of changes there. But um, I know that oh. not everyone who's playing 10s and 12s is like, oh, Jace Peterson, Miss Diaz. But if you're in 15s and AL only, they're going to have some value if they're getting full-time burn. Diaz should be eligible in the outfield at second and at second base in standard leagues. But in Yahoo, he's eligible at short, third, second, and outfield. Ooh, okay. Uh, and what about Peterson? Does he have any dual eligibility? Uh, that's a I, I, third base only, according to uh, according to NFBC. Um, yeah, let's see. So uh, in NFBC, just uh, third base. He'll add outfield in Yahoo. So, okay. Yeah, if you, uh, if you have a 10-game requirement or lower, you can get Jason there with 14 I, outfield games. You know, Peterson, I don't really care about at this point in his career. Like, Double digit I, I, steals each of the last two years, though. Yeah. Any just, any interest there with the with the speed? Maybe a little bit. Like he could maybe be like a 10-10 kind of guy um over the course of a, a full season, maybe even 10-15, something like that. Which, you know, deep league val- deep league has value. Uh Diaz, though, like Diaz hasn't had 400 more than 400 plate appearances since 2018 with toronto like he Mm -hmm. you know um and i think he's gonna get close to 500 plate appearances there so like um i think both have interesting value and deep performance especially draft and holds um these kind of guys are often discounted but i think uh i think they're gonna have some sneaky little value this year yeah i tend to agree there with jace peterson and Aledmus diaz both in oakland and i wasn't checking the clock i didn't realize we're at an hour so we're gonna Jansen's going to be our only pitcher today. We're going to do the rest of the pitchers on Monday because I know I know you need a minimum of an hour on Andrew mm-hmm. Heaney alone. So yeah, I'm yeah. Give you the gonna, runway there. I'm for sure going to do an hour on uh, clearly the best signing Texas has had ever. in the history. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, ever. Like you said, like it's just. Uh, I'm, yeah, I will. So do yeah, an hour. I, I, I want to give you the the proper runway for that. So we're going to go ahead and cap it here at at an hour covering all the hitters and one pitcher. And hey, maybe we'll get more moves over the weekend to make Monday's episode even more robust uh, because we will have the six pitcher moves that we haven't talked about and they're not super high impact. So give us a little Carlos Rodon signing to put a little cherry on top of that so that we're back for that. Monday, again, we're doing uh, Mondays now instead of Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. So just want let let everyone know you don't have to wait as long for us. What about you and Jason? Do anything on Sunday? Couldn't record last weekend because he was uh, he was traveling around, so I will check in with him and try to 
try to get something on the books before uh, you know we obviously take some time off for the holidays because uh, Christmas and New Year's both falling on the weekend means we're not recording Correct. those two weeks. So I'll try to get something on the books either this week or uh, next week. Uh, okay. or maybe both with Jason. Uh, and maybe if not, maybe I'll just pull in a, a special guest or something like that. That sounds great. All right, Justin, I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you over the weekend. Take it easy.